Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, another day, another big-time commitment for San Diego State. What's going on, everybody? It's the wrap-up show presented by Higher Impact Financial. It has been quite the build-up to early signing day for San Diego State and Sean Lewis. He's only been on the job for, what, two weeks? He was hired two weeks ago Wednesday, so 15 days ago yesterday. Danny O'Neill, the prep product from Indianapolis that we spent a good portion of an hour on, Last night, right here on the wrap-up show, today, A.J. Duffy returning home, the product of the Inland Empire, who at one point was considered one of the top two, three, four quarterback prospects in his class three years ago, spent the last two years at Florida State, um, struggled to get on the field, and is returning to Southern California, where he is going to be part of this 2024 recruiting class for Sean Lewis as the Aztecs land him in the portal. So a Florida State quarterback that just a couple of years ago was considered one of the top 10 or 15 quarterbacks in the country um, that is out of the Inland Empire, coming back home, so to speak, to play for the Aztecs in 2024. And you have to like what Sean Lewis is doing right now and his staff on the trail, the recruiting trail, whether it's in the portal or whether it is via the prep route. But two quarterbacks in two days, both of which had previously been at the Power 5 level, whether it was, again, Duffy, who had spent the last two years at Florida State, got on the field a little bit, but, um, you know, even with the injuries they had yesterday, or excuse me, this past year, Florida State didn't really have opportunities. And then Danny O'Neill, who, again, was a Colorado commit and then decommitted when Sean Lewis left, and now he is heading to the Mesa as well. But everything you're reading right now on both A.J. Duffy and Danny O'Neill is really encouraging. I read something tonight in the UT on Duffy where he said, you know, nothing is going to be handed to him. He's not asking for anything to be handed to him. He wants to compete for the job. Danny O'Neill saying the same thing. He's going to enroll in January, uh, wants to do everything in his power to have an opportunity to potentially play in 2024. You've got returning quarterbacks as well on San Diego State's roster. You have a relatively young quarterback room, but I think Duffy gives you a little bit of experience because he's a third-year college player, so technically a redshirt sophomore, and he's got two years in the ACC at Florida State. They're coming off this perfect season here in 2023 as well. Um, but some of his you know, high school numbers, you're going back a few years, but some of his high school numbers were completely off the charts. You read some of these scouting reports. I read one today from 24-7, and one of his comps out of high school is Bo Nix. And not to say that San Diego State has just landed the next Bo Nix, but anytime you're compared to a quarterback of the caliber of Nix, who was a Heisman finalist, is encouraging, right? So um, you've got Duffy, you have O'Neal, you have uh, Buxton, the defensive back that – San Diego State was able to get in this past week as well after some official visits this past weekend. And, 
it seems as if there's a lot going on even this weekend coming up as well for San Diego State on the recruiting trail. You've got official visits kicking off again this weekend. You've got early signing day a week from yesterday, I believe. Yes, next Wednesday. Um, there's a couple of players right now I think that are visiting this weekend. There's probably others as well. If there's other names that you want me to mention or you want to put in the chat, we can discuss those as well. But I saw you've got an athlete, Landon Bell, who is, I believe, going to be on campus this weekend, if not tomorrow. I think he was uh, visiting both Colorado State and San Diego State. He's a former Arizona commit, which, again, follows this lineage of players that had Power 5 offers or were playing at a Power 5 school and potentially could be heading to San Diego State. So you've got Landon Bell, who is one of the top unsigned receivers in the state of California. He's out of Newberry Park in California. Had a really good year as a senior, 895 yards, 12 touchdowns, 55 catches. Then you've got a Nevada decommit, Ben Scolari, who's also a wide receiver. I believe he's visiting this weekend. So you got a couple of wide receivers that are visiting this weekend and I'm sure a plethora of other players, either in the portal or via the prep route, that Sean Lewis and his staff are going to have on campus this upcoming weekend. But they have momentum. There's no question about it. They have momentum. We know there's all types of moving parts. We talked about that last night. You have players on the way out. You have players on the way in. And that's completely natural when you have coaching change, especially in this brand-new transfer portal era. Um where you have free, at least free one-time transfers, if not free multiple-time transfers. So what San Diego State's going through, other programs in the country are going through that have had coaching changes. And I think programs coming off four and eight seasons, it's natural. You're going to lose some players coming off a disappointing season. You're going to lose some players when you make a coaching change. But, of course, you're going to make some additions, and that's what San Diego State has done here. And you look at this class that's being put together with Danny O'Neill, uh, the wide receiver out of Carlsbad, Cianfrini, uh, Anthony McMillan, Modern Day, Uh, Arthur Band, the tight end out of Vancouver, Washington. Again, A.J. Duffy today, the former four-star recruit, top 10 or 15 quarterback in his class that committed to Florida State. Um, There's some linemen in this class as well that have committed to the previous coaching staff that it appears as if Sean Lewis and his staff have been able to retain. And I don't think it's a finished class, obviously, with, again, visitors scheduled for this weekend, early signing day, coming up Wednesday. But that's not the end of it. That's early signing. You've got a late signing. The portal is going to remain open. It's going to reopen in the spring. So there's going to be a lot of maneuvering, you would think, with this roster. But I'd love to hear from Aztec fans. Like, How do you feel about the work that Sean Lewis is doing here and his staff, especially bringing in these quarterbacks, right? If you have followed San Diego State football, it isn't every day you're getting this level of highly sought-after blue-chip quarterback prospect. Not to say San Diego State hasn't had good quarterbacks in previous years. They have, and they've won a lot with the quarterbacks that they've had in the system over the last 10, 15, 20 years. But right now they're getting, again, guys that had opportunities to play at the Power 5 level. There's no question, A.J. Duffy, I saw some of his offers and where he was considering this time around. Again, it was Power 5. He had some really high-level group of five offers in there as well. Boise State and Tulane come to mind in addition to San Diego State. Tulane's been as good as any group of five program in the last two years. But he chose to come home to San Diego State. Then look at O'Neill's offers. We talked about it yesterday. He's got multiple Big Ten offers. He's got ACC offers and Miami. He had a Colorado offer. They're heading now for the Big 12. And he elected to choose San Diego State. I saw the quotes today from Duffy who said that Sean Lewis's offense, I'm a perfect fit in. He just felt as if the offense complemented his game. That RPO option, multiple options on every single play in Sean Lewis's offense. And um, 
I think it's encouraging that you've got quarterbacks to say, you know, I see the system he's run. I think I can be successful in it. And I want to go there as opposed to somewhere else. Right. I think that's really exciting and encouraging for Aztec fans. All right. So we're just going to start it here on the wrap up show. If you are new to the channel, if you wouldn't mind letting others know about this channel, I really do appreciate it. I just got this channel off the ground in the last four or five months trying to spread the word. Let Aztec fans know, San Diego sports fans know. So if you wouldn't mind, I really do appreciate you spreading the word. If you wouldn't mind subscribing, if you are here live or on replay, I appreciate that as well. If you wouldn't mind smashing the like button for me, if you're here live or on replay, I would appreciate that. And if you wouldn't mind following me on social media, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. I don't know what else I'm on, but I'm on things. At John Schaefer, J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. At John Schaefer, J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Really appreciate your support. I'm doing this for Aztec fans. Simple as that. Um, the more people that interact with this content, the more I'm going to be able to provide to you in the days, weeks, months, hopefully years ahead. As a number of you know, I've been covering San Diego State Athletics for, this is, I believe, my seventh full year or my eighth year. This is my seventh. I'm completing my seventh year. I've just done seven seasons of football. I'm in my seventh season of basketball as well. So here for Aztec fans, love interacting with Aztec fans. So again, if you're here, you want to interact, you can do so with me on social media. You can comment in the live chat. If you're here live, you can comment down below. If you're here on replay, I do my best to get back to as many comments as possible here on the wrap-up show presented by Higher Impact Financial. So I'm going to get to the chat um, as we continue on here, but there's some topics I wanted to cover before I get to the chat. Mention some of the visitors this weekend. Mention A.J. Duffy, who had spent the last two years at Florida State, top 10 caliber quarterback out of IMG, raised in the Inland Empire. He was originally an SC commit, by the way. If you go back to his high school years, I'm not exactly sure when he was committed to SC, maybe after his sophomore year in the Inland Empire, but then lost his com complete junior year because of the pandemic in California. Moved to Florida to have a chance to get on the field. Did so at IMG, which I read was more of a running-based offense than anything, but he had success as a senior at IMG and then again got that offer to Florida State and spent the last two years as a seminal. So you have that going on with back-to-back -back highly touted quarterback commits over the last two days. Then you have San Diego State hiring Washington Huskies assistant Eric Schmidt today as defensive coordinator. So that was um that was, you know, an exciting move, I think. You got a coach that is part of a staff for a program that's undefeated this year in Washington and right now he's the special teams coordinator and defensive line coach or edges coach for the Huskies, and he will also coach the linebackers for San Diego State. Apparently, San Diego State expects to run a 4-2-5. Have obviously been running a 3-3-5, but will continue to have five players in the secondary. Look to run a 4-2-5. Uh, Schmidt has worked under Kellen DeBoer, who was at Fresno State. He was a defensive line coach, special teams coordinator at Fresno State. Previously, he was the defensive coordinator, excuse me, coordinator at North Dakota from 2014 to 2019. So a name that's intriguing because he's on one of the playoff teams here in 2023, a team that's gone undefeated this year, the Washington Huskies, and a young coach. And then you've got another coach who's coming over from Idaho, Idaho assistant Rob Orich. I don't know if I'm saying that right, A-U-R-I-C-H or Orich. Um, he has been the defensive coordinator at Idaho the past two years. Spent four years in South Dakota, special teams coordinator, inside linebackers coach. I was reading earlier today, Idaho's defense this year was really, really good. Top 15 defense at the FCS level this year. So you've added in this Idaho assistant. Oh, that's my wife who's calling me right now. 
Stand by. Nothing like a live show. Let me text. Uh, let me text my wife here. Um, live on YouTube. She's away for work. Hence the fact that I'm doing all these shows the last couple of days. Um, so yeah, you've got Eric Schmidt again as the new defensive coordinator coming over from Washington. Had worked for Kalen DeBoer, so you have the familiarity because DeBoer was at Fresno State, had all that success over a couple of years. He's been remarkably successful, obviously the last two years at Washington and their defense has been very good. So you got the young coordinator and Eric Schmidt. You've got Rob Orich as well. Um, the Idaho assistant joining the staff. The staff is not fully complete right now. I think there's still a couple of vacancies. I'm not entirely certain as to what those vacancies are right now. We talked a little bit about it last night, but it appears as if there's one, two, three vacancies still on the staff, but it's being put together. Uh, Sean Lewis had said previously, that he had hoped to complete his staff by National Signing Day, I think, or close to National Signing Day. And again, that's next Wednesday. So he's getting close to completing his staff, and we're getting close to next Wednesday. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the staff in finality at some point in the next day or two, or certainly in the next week or so as well. All right, so you have the commit news, A.J. Duffy, and you've got the assistant news that we just told you about. And then you've got San Diego State, from a scheduling perspective, what we learned today, which was the lion's share of the 2024 schedule, the Mountain West releasing the conference schedule for 2024 without dates. And what we learned in there is something really truly unique for San Diego State. The Aztecs are going to host both Oregon State and Washington State in 2024. So of the six expected Aztec home games, like think about that, two of them are against Oregon State and Washington State which has to excite a lot of Aztec fans. I think it's really encouraging for San Diego State in terms of ticket sales and season ticket sales. Um, and again, I think the the excitement and the energy that's been provided here by Sean Lewis and the work they're doing right now in recruiting these quarterbacks, I think is really good news for San Diego State. But you're talking about Oregon State coming to Snapdragon Stadium September 7th. The UT had reported previously that Texas A&M Commerce was going to be the FCS game. And I think that would be week one or week zero, whenever August 31st is. That might be week one in 2024. But then you have Oregon State. You've got a road game at Cal. You have a road game at Central Michigan. You have a TBD in terms of date home game against Washington State. You've got Air Force at home. You've got Hawaii and New Mexico at home. And then the road slate is really challenging. I mean, I told you Cal. I told you Central Michigan. You go to Boise. We know how hard it is traditionally to win there, although San Diego State's done it a couple of times here in the last decade. You go to UNLV. They're coming off a 9-3 and three regular season. You go to Utah State and Logan, which isn't an easy place to play. And you go to Laramie to take on Wyoming, also not an easy place to play at elevation. So you just look at that schedule. And, yeah, you have an FCS opponent in Texas A&M Commerce. And then from there, it's a challenge. You know, I think this past year's schedule was – Absolutely a challenge. And I think this upcoming year is one of the more challenging schedules probably in recent San Diego State history. And why do I say that? Because you have three quote-unquote power five opponents. Yeah, I know Oregon State and Washington State are going through a transition, but Oregon State's coming off a great year. Washington State had a level of success last year in the Pac-12. We'll see what type of change and turnover there is on those rosters. And there will be change in turnover, including at the quarterback position for both of those teams. But you have those two teams that are funded like Power 5 programs. You have Cal that is moving to the ACC. You're going to Central Michigan to take on a MAC team. You're going to Boise. You're going to Wyoming. You're going to UNLV, right? Like, it's this is not an easy schedule. 
Like there, there's some tough sledding in here. I'm excited about this schedule and I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out, but it will not be easy. It will not be easy to get to, you know, you just look at this thing on paper and we have no idea what this roster is going to look like, but you say to yourself, man, getting to six or seven wins is not going to be easy. Is it, is it possible? Yeah, I think it is. Um, absolutely. It's absolutely going to be possible. Um, but again, on paper, three power five opponents among your 12 opponents overall, plus road games like we talked about, Boise State, UNLV, Utah State, and Wyoming. Tricky is the best way to put it, I would say, for San Diego State in 2024. But I'm excited. I'm sure a lot of Aztec fans here are looking forward to Oregon State and Washington State at home in 2024, an opportunity to pick off potentially one of those teams, if not both. But to get them at home, you know, typically you think about that, you're, you're not getting two quote-unquote Power 5 teams at home at the Group of 5 level, and that's something San Diego State's getting in 2024 that basically no other Group of 5 program in the country is going to have a better non-conference home slate than Oregon State and Washington State within the same year. So that's a good feel in about 15 or 20 minutes for everything that's going on right now on the Mesa when it comes to San Diego State football. I should mention as well, San Diego State basketball. Congratulations to Nathan Mensa signing a two-way contract today with the Charlotte Hornets. What that means is he will now have the opportunity, A, to earn more, and B, play in the NBA, hopefully as soon as this 2023-24 season. Two-way contracts afford players opportunities to bounce back and forth between the G League and the NBA. And Mensa today, he's had a nice year in the G League, averaging something like 10 or 11 points and eight or nine rebounds and one or two blocks per game. So he's played very well playing in the G League. And because of that, he's earned this two-way contract, one of the greats in San Diego State basketball history. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Had the rebound on the play before Lamont Butler hit the shot against FAU. Uh, one of the great you know, defenders in the history of San Diego State basketball, if not the greatest defender in the history of San Diego State basketball, five-year player, had so many, you know, highs and lows, including the 2020 season where he missed half of it because of illness when they went 30-2. and two. But then last year, his first NCAA tournament win, not just his first, his first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, getting all the way to a national championship game. So congratulations to Nathan Mensa. Cannot wait to see him in an NBA uniform with the Charlotte Hornets. Hopefully that's coming sooner rather than later so that's a bit of your football update as well as a brief nugget related to san diego state basketball as well and it just feels like there's a lot going on right now on the mesa with san diego state all right let's get to some of the comments right now in the chat if you want to interact if you want to make sure i get to something i'm going to roll through all these essentially right now or as many as i can so i'd be happy to do that so please if you're here live subscribe I appreciate that. Smash the like button for me and follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer at Jim Russell SD and tell a friend, tell an Aztec friend to find a way to support this channel and subscribe to this channel as well. I'm going to start here with Victor. Victor, thank you for hanging out. He says, what's the biggest weakness now? Offensive line, defensive line, a lot transferred out, right? There have been a lot. We talked about this yesterday. There are a lot of offensive linemen that were at San Diego State in 2023 that are either currently in the portal or have committed elsewhere. So I think that is fair. Regarding the defensive line, 
and the defense in general. You have a number of defensive players for San Diego State that are currently in the portal as well. So I'm not sure what the biggest quote-unquote weakness is, but what's the biggest areas of need right now? There's no question offensive line is an area of need for Sean Lewis. And I think in general, we'll see how everything shakes out with the defense in terms of who is in the portal, but there's a lot of vacancies right now on that defense. You look at the true freshman, Marcus Ratcliffe, on his way to UCLA. Um, but there have been a number of players that have entered the portal. There have been a number of players that have committed to Power 5 programs, Des Malone out of San Diego State Secondary, committing to Oklahoma, uh, Cameron Harpole committing to ASU, and these are just three. There's There's been a handful more. You have Mark Redman, is at Louisville? I think I have that right. The former tight end, really good player here for the last couple of years. And you wish everyone well, and because this is just the nature of the beast. And I said last night, like you're getting transfers out of Alabama and Georgia. If you've followed this story over the last couple of years, you're getting transfers out of Clemson. Like this is happening essentially everywhere at some spots with more regularity than others. There's no question about that. But, uh, you know, it's not something that should be automatically a huge concern because, yeah, when there are vacancies, that creates opportunities, whether it's for younger players or for players via the portal. So obviously the vacancies will be addressed. Um, The roster is going to look a lot different in 2024, but that was to be expected, I think, off 2023 also. Uh, Max, absolutely. Thanks for hanging out, Max. Please subscribe. We're taking questions. Yeah, absolutely. You can get them in the chat right now. Yeah, saw this name. I saw that uh, Demaria, is it Demarion White, who is a local product? And I don't know if the Aztecs, I've read something briefly on social media. I I lose track of everything. I read so much. I consume so much of it just for the day job and just because I'm interested. But I had read initially, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, that out of the 335 that San Diego State was, was running, he wasn't initially recruited heavily but now that san diego state might be leaning towards a 425 i think he fits the defense better and san diego state has been recruiting white a lot more heavily here in the last few days or weeks since sean lewis was hired and i want to say white also has taken a recent official to fresno state so you might have him coming down between the bulldogs and the aztecs potentially but it is nice to see that he's expected to be on campus this weekend so thank you so much for the chat Yeah, I mean, I think the next couple of weeks are going to be crazy too, Robbie. I mean, if you have followed this story over the last two weeks, I think it's been pretty entertaining. If you're an Aztec fan and you follow this program on social media to see the how active this coaching staff has been on social media and also to see the student-athletes interact with the coaching staff and tweet about their upcoming official visits or their time on campus, it's like a really exciting time, I would say, on the Mesa right now when it relates – to San Diego State football, but he says, now that we have our quarterbacks and defensive coordinator in place, I'm sure the next two weeks will be crazy with the players on the way in. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's going to be there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of change, and um, I think that's exciting. I really do. Gary, what's going on, man? Thanks for texting earlier. Appreciate you hanging out. He says it's Aztec Gary. Can you walk us through the key dates, such as when the early signing day is and for how long it lasts, as well as the portal? How long is it open? Uh, Gary, first of all, thanks for hanging out, man. Hope you subscribe to the channel. I think you already have. So the signing window, at least the early one, opens up on the 20th, and I believe it closes on the 22nd. So it's something like a 72-hour window or something in that range, roughly a 72-hour window. So you don't have to sign day one, but you typically would sign probably in the first couple of days of that window. Transfer Portal opened after Sean Lewis was hired, just a couple of days after, I think December 4th, I'm not certain as to how long it is open currently. It will close and then reopen in the spring. 
At least that's how it was in 2023. I don't think they've changed that. The fact that you've got a portal window again in the spring, which can make things very challenging, obviously, because you come out of spring football and you can lose players coming out of spring football, or you could have previously the last couple of years. So I don't, Gary, have it in front of me right now. Um, I will Google it real quick to see what I can quickly summarize. Uh, let's see. So in October of 2023, they approved the following. A smaller window for football and basketball players uh, from 60 days to 45 days is what they did this past October. Um, and I don't know if I have the exact dates, though. So you've got a 45-day window. And, and then there's a second window in the spring that will shrink to 30 days. So the second window will remain at the end of April. So you've got a window now and you've got another at the end of April. So, you know, that, that can cause a lot of instability around college football is what I would say. But that's what college athletics are right now, instability. So you got to use it to your advantage. But, yeah, you got a transfer portal open right now. You've got an early signing day period right now. And then you have a later signing day period and a later transfer portal window as well. Tom, what's going on, man? Appreciate your support. Great interacting with you all the time on social media. Loyal Aztec fan and supporter and very active on social. Uh, he says Landon Bell is already on campus. All right, encouraging. So, again, California product has taken a visit to Colorado State, is here at San Diego State this weekend. So, good to hear. Thank you, Tom, for letting us know. I agree with you, Jeff. He has now. He's, he's hit the ground running. He really has. You know, he, he's completely hit the ground running. I know it's cliche, but think about all of the things you're needing to address. So you're thinking about filling out a coaching staff. You're thinking about retaining players from the 2023 roster. You're thinking about additions you need to make via the transfer portal. You're thinking about additions you need to make to your recruiting class. You're looking at the impact of name, image, and likeness on your program. You are likely meeting with donors and stakeholders at the university. I mean, think about that, right? All of the interactions you're having with um, – new co-workers and staff members that aren't on your coaching staff that are in athletics administration. So you can only imagine what that process is like. And to do it successfully is like throwing a needle and to land the quarterbacks he's been able to land to make the hires he's been able to make so far. And the way that he was received, I think at his press conference a couple of weeks ago, everything has gotten off to the start that you would hope it would get off to, right? If you're an Aztec fan, like, could you ask for more? Aztec fans wanted an offense first head coach. They get one of the top play callers in the country over the last 10 years at FBS football. Aztec fans wanted a quarterback to be brought with the head coach. You get not just one, but you've gotten two over the last two days. Uh, you wanted excitement and energy. You've gotten excitement and energy. Um, I've seen a lot of people supporting NIL collectives over the last couple of days. I think that's really cool. Last night in the video, I put links down below to both Aztec Link and Mesa Foundation. I suggest supporting both of them. If you care about the future of San Diego State Athletics, then you should be concerned about name, image, and likeness and its impact on San Diego State. So find Aztec Link, Google it. J.R. Tolver and his team are doing great work there. It supports a lot of San Diego State football student-athletes. Support the Mesa Foundation. Jeff Smith and his team are doing great work. It supports a lot of men's and women's basketball players at San Diego State. It's the world we live in. It is crucially important. It will continue to be important moving forward for the Aztecs. Tom, thank you. Are you asking about um, A.J. Duffy? Will this guy eventually hit the transfer portal again? Well, first of all, we've got legislation out there right now where – a court has recently 
overturn the NCAA's rules, which would allow immediate two-time transfers, where currently the NCAA, before that ruling yesterday, was only allowing immediate one-time transfers, and a second transfer would have to get either a waiver or sit out a year or be a grad transfer to be immediately eligible. It's confusing. But my point is this, that of course, there's always a possibility a player could transfer again, but we'll have to wait on legislation to see if you can immediately transfer again into the future or if you'd have to sit out a year or be a grad transfer. But you can't worry about that is, the, is what I would say. Like if you're an Aztec fan um, or if you're a college football fan, you can't worry about A.J. Duffy's 2025 or 6, Danny O'Neill's 2025 or 6. You just got to take it as it comes is what I would say because you wouldn't sleep if you were concerned about every single – student athlete and their prospects for landing elsewhere in the future. And that's every pro. I mean, you, you'd be saying the same thing if you were a fan of, uh, you know, name the program potentially, you know, Purdue or a, a number of these programs across power five and group of five. Don, appreciate uh, you being here. Appreciate you um, commenting in the live chat. He says two weeks on the job and coach Lewis has the, Best quarterback recruiting class in school history. Is that accurate? Can someone comment potentially in the chat? I, I'm not someone that follows overly closely recruiting. I have been really intrigued by it over the last couple of weeks because of the work that Sean Lewis is doing. But I'm not a recruiting expert. I'm not someone with great long-term historical recruiting data. I know San Diego State's had success throwing the football over the years. If you go back to like Coriel or you go back to the 90s, and obviously, they've been more, you know, run-oriented over the last 20 years, as we understand. But, I mean, how does this class now compare to some of the classes that San Diego State has had with quarterbacks in history, like going back 30, 40, 50 years? I, I don't know. But it, I'm sure it's one of the better quarterback classes they've certainly had in the last quarter century. Um, that's probably inarguable. All right. Robbie says, I saw that our new OC started following SC receiver Michael Jackson, who had a nice year last year and now is transferring. I somehow stumbled in that a few moments before going live here on the wrap up show. And I also saw maybe Oregon State fans or boosters or support supporters talking about that same player. Do I have that right, Robbie? That I want to say maybe he's following some Oregon State coaches. And I know he's also following San Diego State coaches. I think we're talking about the same player. I don't know anything about him, but I think we're talking about the same player. And I think I saw some interaction with the Oregon State people going on regarding that player. I, I might be incorrect, but correct me if I'm wrong. Let's see here. Max wants to know the chances O'Neill passes Duffy on the depth chart. That's all going to play out, by the way. There's spring football, there's fall. Um, it'll be, I mean, you'd have to assume an open competition with not just those two, but others that are currently on this roster, but that's going to play out. There's plenty of time. It's only December. Season doesn't start until August 31st. How many months is that? That's nine months from December 31st. Is that right? Or is that eight months? Eight, eight months from December 31st. So we got plenty of time. Max says that as a recent San Diego State alum, football always took the back seat to basketball when I was there due to two major reasons. One, an off-campus NFL stadium, which has largely been solved in Mission Valley. And then he went on to say, and two, being in a conference where we had zero shot at winning the championship with the expansion, will the Mountain West champ make the playoffs? Possibly. And the reason I think it actually has become more likely today than it's ever been is the Mountain West will be boosted by playing Oregon State and Washington State, at least in the short term. And if you're able to knock off those teams on the way to like an 11-1 and season, then that's a really good feather in your cap. And you're putting together a resume that is at least going to be on par, if not better, 
then potentially an AAC champion or a Sun Belt champion, and so on and so forth. Now, you look at what's happened here in the New Year's Six era, and there's only been one Mountain West team to ever get to a New Year's Six bowl game, and that was Boise State year one. And then it's been dominated, completely dominated by the AAC. I thought that would change this year, and it did because Liberty is now the New Year's Six participant, despite the fact that they played absolutely no one this past year. But it's been dominated by the AAC. But the good news, if you're a Mountain West football fan or you're a fan of San Diego State moving forward, is the AAC has been gutted with all the departures in recent years, even SMU now for the ACC. And then you've had Houston and UCF and Cincinnati. It's a completely different league. It has good programs. Tulane's good, UTSA, there are others. It has good programs. But the Mountain West is easily on par with the AAC. They just need to find that team to put together that season that is going to put them in conversation for one of the 12 spots in the college football playoff. It could happen in 2024. Someone's going to have to beat Oregon state or Washington state and have that type of 11 and one season and win the mountain West to be considered because, you know, this past year Boise state won the mountain West at seven and five. So of course they have no shot to make the playoff with a season like that. Let's see here, Steve. I appreciate you, man. He says, thanks, John. I love your Aztec content. Very excited about next season's San Diego State football, as you should be, as you should be, Steve. Um, okay, I am going to get back to the chat here in a moment. Uh, while we have a moment, I mentioned it earlier that we have a partner here on the wrap-up show. It's my friend Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial, and he's a San Diegan, Mount Carmel alum, lifelong San Diego sports fan, also the founder of Higher Impact Financial. Based in Southern California, financial planning firm, he has found in his research that he solves two major problems for people to meet with him. The first is that he's found too many people do not have a financial plan, or if they do, it's outdated. And it's just a collection of products Eric believes in ongoing proactive financial planning that's foundational to avoiding common financial mistakes that so many people fall into. The second problem is that most of us just don't have clear defined financial goals without clear goals and the clarity needed to achieve them. We all end up stuck, and this is easy to do with money. Eric will help you build a straightforward but thorough financial plan for you and your family. So click the link in the description down below, and if you're looking to get better results with your wealth, then you got to set up a 15-minute call with Eric. It's simple. Click the link in the description down below. Eric's been a longtime supporter of my work, of the Padres wrap-up show, of the Aztecs wrap-up show. If you support this channel, if you have any financial planning needs, please get in contact with Eric. We'll set you up with a free 15-minute call. Click that link in the description down below and let them know that I sent uh, you over there from the wrap-up show. So thank you again, Eric Lanier over at Higher Impact Financial. All right, guys. Again, if you are here, if you wouldn't mind subscribing, I appreciate that. Year-round content for fans of San Diego State football and basketball. If you're here, please smash the like button as well. I want to get back to some of the Comments here in the chat, there are a lot of them. I'm going to try to run through as many as I can here in the next, let's say, 15, 20 minutes. Let's see here. All right, Robert's saying that he's been supporting Aztec football since the 50s, and he hasn't been excited about Aztec football in some time, but he's beginning to get there now. Great to hear, Robert. I think there's a lot of people that feel similarly, Robert. I, th I think there's a lot of people, whether they've been fans since the 50s or the 80s or the 2000s or the last four or five years, I think there's a energy and vibe right now that people are encouraged by. Now, does that mean they're going 12-0 and 0 next year? Of course not. We understand how this works. I mean, it's, we, we don't know what the future holds, and there'll be adversity and highs and lows, but I think there's a lot of reasons for optimism based on what we've seen here over the last couple of weeks. No, 
I don't believe so. I, I don't think there's a correlation there. Um, Jordan Anderson is following all of our coaching staff and AJ Duffy, four-star Oregon decommit. Maybe that's who I saw Oregon State people talking about today. I'm not fully certain. Somebody needs to fill me in on that. This is funny. This must have been what my wife called. I think she's a fan. I think she might be in the chat right now. I think she was earlier. She might be in the chat right now. She's been excited about it. She has. Yeah, still looking, I think, for safeties coach. And Ryan Lindley is still on this staff as well. I don't think he's officially been listed in what role he'll have with the staff. But, yes, they, they need a safeties coach. That might complete the staff. Do they have a tight ends coach? I think they need one or two coaches currently. Robert saying he's glad they're playing OSU and Washington State. I'm with you. I mean, again, you're coming off a four and eight season. You have a brand new head coach. I think it's cool to play Oregon State, Washington State, Cal in the same year. Some people might say, "Oh, it's three Power Five opponents. Uh, you know, that's too many. I wish we were playing two. You know what? They, but people want to be in the Power Five, right? How many times we spent a full year plus talking about Power Five for San Diego State, and to get three of twelve games against you know, quote unquote, Power Five opponents, I think is pretty unique. Um, I don't know the last time San Diego State had a schedule that would have three programs, upper echelon, topper, top tier programs in the same year. You'd probably have to go back. They've been playing two a ton, typically one home, one road out of the Pac-12. But with the Pac-12 essentially dissolving, this is somewhat unique. And, and I think it's I think it's a win for Aztec fans. And I think it's a win for the players. I mean, you're getting three games, um, three really high-profile games, plus Boise State next year as well. So you've got a lot of opportunities next year. And I think it's a good... I think it's a good sales tool on the recruiting trail as well. Let's see. Just trying to catch up here in the chat. Mm -mm -mm. People talking about who they like more between Duffy and O'Neill. And again, I think it's going to play out over a period of time. Obviously, Duffy has more experience, is more seasoned because he's two years older, at least coming out of high school a couple of years ago. But again, I think I think there's time for that to play out in spring football and in the fall as well. I don't know the answer to this, Greg. Thanks for hanging out. I know you're here yesterday as well. Hey, John, I read today that we expect to have an interior and exterior defensive line coach. Is that common in college football? I don't know the answer to that. I really don't, if I'm being honest. he um, <laughs> I'm not going to read this full name, but he says he remembers A.J. Duffy at Rancho Verde. Dude's a baller. I mean, it's a big-time years. His sophomore season was incredible. If you look at his numbers as a sophomore, is when he emerged as one of the best quarterbacks in the country for his class his sophomore year. And then, unfortunately, wasn't able to play for a year because of the global pandemic and the fact that there wasn't high school football in, in California that year. Isn't that right? There was no high school football that one year. And then that's why he had to leave, and that's why he went to Florida and ended up at IMG. Amazing football factory. And then he ended up at Florida State. So it worked out, but unfortunately didn't have that junior year and you know who knows where he would have been if he never left california in the first place again at one point he was a usc commit it's great to see o'neill and duffy commit but what's happening with the offensive line we struggled last season at the line of scrimmage let, let, let it play out i mean we'll find out whether it's via the portal obviously they're going to need to address it in the portal they've already added one interior offensive lineman from north dakota out of fcs they have a number of offensive linemen right now in this recruiting class. Typically, you're not playing a lot of true freshman offensive linemen, but they're going to have to address it in the portal. And, um, yeah, it's absolutely something to um, to be discussing because there's some instability there. There's definitely been some change. You've seen some players 
already um, commit to other programs that were previously on San Diego State's offensive line. Sarah, thank you for making us aware. Yeah, Mesa Foundation, again, support. Aztec Link, support. And yes, newly launched the We Believe Network, which I believe technically is part of Aztec Link. But there are pay thresholds for any budget. You can support these collectives for a couple bucks a month. And I think it makes a difference because the more people that do it, I mean, think about that, a few bucks a month. But if you have 50, 100, 200 people that do it for a few bucks a month, all of a sudden you're making a difference. So if you have the means to do it, I think it's greatly appreciated. I think it can make a difference. And again, collectives are impactful. You know, it's not that San Diego State overnight is going to have the same collective as Ohio State, but you like to be able to compete at the group of five level. And I think that they've put themselves in a position here recently where they're having a lot of success. I think Mesa is having a lot of success. I think JR with Aztec Link has had a lot of success over the last handful of months. And it's nice to see this We Believe Network get off the ground over the last couple of days as well. Yeah, I, I was in there earlier. I was watching. Shout out Sons of Montezuma. Big, big fan, big supporter right here. I saw they had a live stream earlier. I'd scheduled. I always do. When I do live streams, I typically do them at 930. I think they'd start around 830. So I'm not sure what time they wrapped up. But yeah, the more the merrier. That's how I look at it. I'm a supporter of all creators that are creating content related to San Diego sports content, whether it's Aztecs, Padres, whatever the sport is. I'm a, I'm a fan. So the more the merrier is the way that I look at it. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, Robbie's spot on, you know, with the the offensive lineman they've transferred. He says he thinks there's only a couple of guys left. We'll have to rebuild through the portal and younger guys stepping up. Yeah, that's accurate. It's a, it's a next man up sport, isn't it? With injuries, with the portal, um, with the one-time transfer rule, immediate eligibility. That That's really what the sport is currently. Robbie says he doesn't think we've ever had a three-star and a four-star quarterback in the same class. And that's exactly – and Tom, thank you. Tom, who's got serious knowledge about – Aztec football saying, uh, yes, best quarterback recruiting class in school history. I mean, that's unbelievable. And that's why you make a hire like this. And that's where you give J.D. Wicker and the administration a lot of credit because they were looking for a certain type of coach and they landed that coach. And it's immediately paid dividends. People said, we want a coach that can bring in a quarterback and he has brought in two in just two weeks. Uh, thank you, Tom. So I was talking about the wrong player. Thank you. Okay, I was talking about Jordan Anderson. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> my bad. My bad. I'm trying to catch up here. Let's see. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. If you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing if you are here. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know that, Sarah. I don't know that. I think that'll come out in the days and weeks ahead. I'm not certain. I know he's highly respected, obviously, for the work he's done at San Diego State University um, with different athletic programs and, of course, the San Diego State football. So um, I, I don't know the answer to that. I know he's had a ton of success um, and has, is really well-liked and receives a lot of credit for the work he's done at San Diego State. Um, Tom saying he's been reassigned. But if he's been reassigned, uh, you know, that would be great if he stays on in athletics with San Diego State, but I, I don't have that information. I don't. I saw this. I, I wouldn't think so. I saw something on social media about Malik Murphy where there were six or seven schools, and I didn't see San Diego State on that list. And again, with what they've done with Duffy and O'Neill, I mean, how many quarterbacks are you bringing in? And 
I would think your quarterback room is is slightly full here. Not that everyone's going to necessarily be back in 2024. And certainly you're going to have four or five players in that room, not just O'Neal and Duffy, but you've got some other players that have been here for the last one or two seasons. So if even a couple of those come back, you know, that's four quarterbacks right there. And how many quarterbacks are you going to have in that room? Five, right? So that would likely surprise me. Again, just speculating from the outside without any knowledge of the situation. I think that would surprise me a little bit. Max wants to know, is the latest prediction a reverse merger of the Mountain West into the Pac-12? Would that be a Power 5? Is it based on revenue or team performance? Nobody has any idea. I think what Oregon State and Washington State are trying to do right now is just buy time to see what the future of college athletics looks like. I don't think they have any real vision of reforming the Pac-12 as we sit here currently. I think what they want to do with the Pac-12 is retain assets and avoid liability and retain their ability to fund their programs at a power five level. But I don't think they're spending time right now thinking about using revenue to lure programs into a new iteration of the PAC 12. Maybe that's something they think about in the months and years ahead. They're going to have to make some determination on where they go after 2025, but they can't be a two team league for more than two years. So they've got a lot of questions that they need answered. And ultimately, Oregon State and Washington State could be in a league with San Diego State, could be in the Mountain West, or could be called the Pac-12, or maybe something changes with college athletics in the next couple of years where you get regionalization with all sports but football. We talked a little bit about this last night. You could get a new subdivision that Charlie Baker has talked about. What does that mean for the future of FBS football? I just think there's so many questions that Oregon State and Washington State are just trying to fund their program at a Power 5 level right now. And they want to figure out the rest later. So I I have no idea what 2026 looks like. We don't even know what 2025 looks like. Oregon State and Washington State haven't even committed to playing Mountain West opponents in 2025. We know in 2024 they'll play six opponents each, three at home and three on the road. And we're going to see both Washington State and Oregon State at Snapdragon Stadium in 2024. So I think that's a very difficult question to answer. But I do think it's very likely that San Diego State's playing a lot more of Oregon State and Washington State in a variety of sports moving forward. I we knew this Victor because I had seen future schedules. I think they had released future schedules for the next 3 years and Fresno State was not on the schedule. I think one of those 3 years might have even been two, but it was definitely one. It was this year. So, um we had known that. I think there was some initial disappointment when people found that out maybe 6 to 9 months ago. But I do know this, the oil, oil can's going to stay in San Diego for another year since there's no game in 2024. Peter says uh, it's a quarterback-friendly offense. He needs fast wide receivers now. we got Balen Brooks. You've got wide receivers visiting this weekend on officials. Um, so I think you're going to have some options. You're going to have some options. I saw Breon Penny enter the transfer portal earlier today. Um, younger brother, Rashad Penny, four-year player at San Diego State. Had some moments over the last couple of years. But, yeah, I mean, no doubt wide receivers are going to be critically important. Tight ends too. Tailbacks, right? I think there's this misconception that – Sean Lewis offenses are air out offenses where, in fact, he's had a lot of really well-balanced offenses, including at Kent State when he had that unbelievable year where he had 3,500 pass yards and 3,500 rush yards for an entire season. Like that's unheard of, completely unheard of. So the idea that this is just going to be throw, throw, throw and, you know, 50-second possessions or two-minute possessions I think is probably a misconception. That's the way I look at it. All right, so Don says he missed last show's discussion on alternate football uniforms. We need all white road uniforms. Replace the red on the helmet with white, white jerseys and pants. 
this became a big discussion yesterday. There were some people commenting today about it as well. I stick by what I said yesterday. I'm not like a, um, what am I? I'm not a uniform connoisseur, but I am pretty like well-studied in it. Here's what I know. San Diego State's helmets are on par with any helmet in FBS football. Nobody disagrees with that, correct? San Diego State's uniforms, I've always liked. I like the black and red combination. Now, some people tell me they could do this, they could do that, they could be better. I'm sure it's all truthful. And I'm sure there could be, you know, changes to it. I'm sure there could be updates to it. I'm sure they could add an alternate uniform. But it, one of my least concerns is the uniform combination because I think it's a very good one. Uh, you know, and we could argue who's got – I'm not saying it's the best. or I just think it's very good. And I think when you couple it with the helmet, it is really, really good. Um, could you make change? Could, yeah, sure. Of course. There's all kinds of options. Um, will it look different in 2024? I don't know the answer to that. We had talked about that a little bit yesterday, but typically I think Nike schools every three years change uniforms in football and basketball. So I don't know the last time they made an alteration. Um, could they go to alternate? Maybe that has something to do with, you know, the preference of the head coach and you had Brady and Rocky. I don't know if that was really, you know, a big topic previously or not, but if it's something Sean Lewis wants to do, then, you know, I think that's, that's definitely a possibility. Let's see here. Uh, absolutely, Mikey. Absolutely. Says thanks for the coverage and conversation, John. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he said earlier, I, I missed this. I'm late to the conversation, but if you're looking at quarterback ratings, O'Neal is rated slightly lower than Javance Johnson from last year. Quarterback rating hasn't been the issue. It's scheme and development. Um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Johnson obviously has only been here for a year, was hurt a little bit and redshirted. So we'll see how he's been developed. We'll see how O'Neal is developed under this new staff. Um, there's so many factors that go into whether a quarterback's going to be successful or not, right? Like you said, the scheme, players around him, circumstance, health. There's so many factors. I mean, there's just so many different factors that go into that. And um, what is encouraging is I think you got a lot of players right now that have a chance to contribute. Nobody can say for certain this one player will mean this exact result for San Diego State, but whether it's Johnson or O'Neal or Duffy or someone else in that quarterback room or someone that's coming into that quarterback room, there's at least a lot of optimism. And I think conceptually, you can definitely envision in Sean Lewis's offense, one of those quarterbacks having success, hopefully immediately. Um, and if it's not immediately with a period of time that hopefully you know occurs at some point in 2024. That's what I would say about that. Um, Mikey, but thank you for uh, for commenting and chiming in. Tom, you're the man. Really appreciate you, man. Seriously. Um, Tom's great on Twitter. Tom is a, a must resource for Aztec fans if you're into this stuff day in and day out, 24 hours a day. Tom is a must. Okay, look at this. We got this tidbit. This is why this is why it's fun to hang out with us live around replay because you get tidbits from Loyal Aztec fans and insiders like Tom Aztec, who says, look for West Virginia receiver Ja'Shawn Polk to commit. Okay, we're going to keep that tidbit in our back pocket because Tom has been right on a lot of this stuff before. That I know. He's been right on a lot of this stuff before. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with Brian. I mean, again, if you wanted to – and I love a good, like, uniform conversation. Like, I, I'm into the history of uniforms across, like, professional and collegiate sports. I, I love that stuff. I don't think I – I know everything about all uniforms, but I'd love to have the uniform conversation with people. Again, if you wanted to break down every detail, you want to get into semantics, I'm sure you could argue this, that, or the other. That's fine. You want, 
um, whether it's color combination or lettering or right, all those things we can argue. But you couple the red and black uniform with the helmet, and there's no problems, is what I would say. Like nobody's like, oh my gosh, look at San Diego State's uniform if they could only improve that. Like, I'm not hearing that. <laughs> I've been covering San Diego State football for the last seven plus seasons. Uh, heading into this eighth year, I'm not hearing people saying, man, if San Diego State could only upgrade their uniform, they'd be in a really good spot. So again, I'm not saying that everything's perfect and you couldn't consider an alternate or make changes to color combinations or even make a change to the helmet, even though it's near perfect, if not perfect. But my point is, I think San Diego State can hang with almost all programs in college football with their uniform combination. Yeah, Tom, good point. That's right, because he couldn't play. He wasn't eligible this past year. He was the FCS commit from out east, right? FCS commit, uh, deep ball threat, really good runner, um, big playability. That's a really good point, Tom. Thank you. Absolutely. That's interesting, Sarah. Thank you. Um, an event, someone asked Rocky about Unis. He said he'd rather have the money spent elsewhere, and, which is also a fair point. I mean, are you winning games based on uniform? Are you winning and recruiting based on uniform? Yeah, maybe Oregon is. Like, yeah, I mean, Oregon's a brand upon itself, right, with the Nike money. Um, but it, are you winning games? Are you making drastic inroads just by changing uniform? I think you can get people talking with an alternate uniform. Sure. Um, and it could be a marketing vehicle. It could be a sales vehicle. But I just don't know how impactful. And then we had the conversation yesterday, like, oh, San Diego State must not have the money. That's why they have only two uniforms. Th this I know. That's not the reason they have only two uniforms. With the investments they've made in athletics over the last handful of years, including hundreds of millions in football, with the stadium investment, um, with the successes they've had across all sports, with the investments they've made in coaching and resources, it has nothing to do with money. Um, and Rocky may have said that to some extent, like facetiously. But um, it's not like San Diego State's choosing between uniforms and something else in terms of how to run their program. If they want to add a uniform, they'll add a uniform. I mean, it's a, it's the flagship sport at a massive, you know, university that plays FBS football that's had a lot of success in it. So, again, there's a lot of conversation about it because it's fun. I mean, uniforms are fun. Um, Tom says they're fine. Yeah, again, I don't think it's something to get overly hung up on. Uh, Victor says, I don't follow hundreds of Aztec profiles. Just follow Tom and you get all the news you need, LOL. Yeah, there's there's some really good resources on social media for Aztec fans. I try to follow as many as I can. And ultimately, it like, ends up in my timeline, whether I follow someone or not. Someone will share it with me. They'll DM it to me. Um, if there's anything you think I should ever see, by the way, feel free to do that. You can tag me on Twitter. Tom will do it. You can put it in a DM. There's others that will do it. Um, so if you think there's something that I'm missing or you want to make me aware of, please do that. Um, you know, Knowledge is power. So. I love interacting with you guys as well. Yes. Now the Arizona game two years ago to open Snapdragon stadium when San Diego state was wearing black, it was, it looked, looked hot. Right. I mean, can you imagine having worn those uniforms <laughs> the day of the Arizona game in the middle of the day? Yes. But you know, that's like the exception to the rule is what I would say. This is going to be awesome, Josh. I'm glad you mentioned it. So I play no video games, and I even mentioned this to my wife, and she freaked out when I mentioned this. So I don't know if she's here live right now or not, but she's going to freak out if she is. Um, the NCAA 24 game is a reason why I want to start playing video games because I don't play video games. But I'm like, this is going to be so cool, right? I mean, I played this like as a kid. Like, that was probably my favorite game, NCAA football. Like, that's super cool. That, to me, was way cooler than Madden. And like the professional sports, I like those games too. But 
and we haven't had this for so long um, because of a lawsuit that kind of got us down the path of name, image, and likeness. But the fact that it's coming back and you're going to have like all the detail of Snapdragon Stadium and uniform detail and players, and it's going to be so cool. So yeah, I'm kind of excited for that as well. Again, am I buying a gaming system just to play it? Kristen, my wife, no, I'm not. Um, would I like to play it though? Yes, I absolutely would. Although my wife will probably divorce me. Uh, let's see here. Don says, we've got Lambos on the field. Kids love all uniforms. Give me the all white road jerseys. Listen, I don't hate it. Listen, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I like it. I mean, that stormtrooper look, I think is a good look. So I think it's a, I think it's a good point, Don. Uh, Tom, that's right. Western Carolina is where, um, Williams transferred from, had to sit out this past year. See, <laughs> this to me has been such an interesting talking point. I don't even want to go down this path right now, but this idea of, you know, cover because of, um, you know, Snapdragon Stadium doesn't have shade cover and you need to because of day games. Yet in the two years of Snapdragon Stadium, the issue was literally a historically hot day, was it not? That was played in the middle of the day to open the stadium. Like that, that's basically the critique of Snapdragon Stadium, the hottest day in the history of San Diego. It's like the, the critique. Have there been other warm days or other day games? Yeah. But have there also been a lot of night games or games that have had completely the weather's had no impact on those games? So I'm I'm just not concerned about um some of that stuff I just feel like has gotten way too much publicity and the you know in actuality okay you'll, you'll play a day game or two a year and is it a factor yeah but there's day games in state college there's day games at the coliseum there's day games at the rose bowl there's day games at cal and stanford there's you know what i mean michigan ohio state none of these places have cover austin none of them zip zero zilch but for whatever reason it's like well Oh my gosh, how can they not have cover in San Diego where no other college football stadium essentially in the country has cover? And the ones that do are because of rain, like the University of Washington or Oregon State. The reason they have cover is because it rains, not because of the sun. So I just think it's been, you know, just drastically overblown, um, in my opinion. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, probably playing a, a noon game Labor Day weekend anywhere in the country is going to be problematic with the weather to your point, SDSU 619. And I think oftentimes San Diego State's playing games at 5 p.m. or later, um, whether it's September or later into the year. Have there been some day games? Yeah, there have. And TV dictates that. So it's definitely a possibility, to your point. It is a possibility. And weather is a factor in sports, outdoor sports. There's no question about it. I just don't think it is as big of an issue as some have made it out to be over the last couple of years. But that's my opinion and some disagree with it and I, and I respect that opinion if you disagree i completely respect it i understand it and he says i've heard they're wanting the new mls team to pay for that as it's another 100 million well and that's not happening i know the major league soccer team has said they're not adding shading they're going to play every single one of their games i think it's 7 30 at night maybe not every but i think every major league soccer game it's 7 or 7 30 maybe some friendlies or other matches will be played at, at different times but again i mean if you've you know, San Diego Wave have played there. I don't think the weather has been a widely discussed topic or something that's been that impactful. The Legion have played there. I, I don't think the weather's had that much impact on a majority. Majority, ninety uh, percent of events at Snapdragon Stadium, concerts, um, dirt shows, right, all types of events. There have been dozens and dozens of events over the last 
one plus year into the second year. And I, I just don't think weather has played a significant role. Um, you know, if I'm being honest, yeah. Canopy talk, canopy talk that I wasn't even, I was looking for the word. What am I talking about? We're talking about canopies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. <laughs> All right. Just trying to get to a couple additional comments and then we'll call it a night here. Yeah, it's so funny because you watch the games and, you know, you watch these games in September like I do. I, you know, it's hot. It's typically hotter in other places than, say, yeah, San Diego Mission Valley is hot. Let's not kid ourselves. It can be very hot in September. We understand it. It can be hot in October. Um, but it can be hot in Austin and it can be hot in Tallahassee and it can be hot in Tampa and, you know, Tuscaloosa and Auburn, Alabama. And it goes on and on and on and Athens, Georgia, and none of these places have cover and all these places played noon Eastern or two 30, three 30 Eastern. And they're playing Labor Day weekend and the week after Labor Day or the week before Labor Day. And it's hot. And it's just, it's a fact of life. It's part of sports, right? Just is. Tom, both Arizona schools have no shade or canopies overblown. I think the Arizona schools aren't, our previously, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, when they were in the Pac-12, couldn't play games before 6 p.m. in September. But they'll, they'll play games. They've had games in October, November at high noon. It's 110 degrees, including this past year. They'll play games in like November. It's 115 degrees. And they're playing in the middle of the day. And it's just, what can you do? I mean, nobody can control the weather. And you're not, I mean, are you really built, are you really spending $100 million to shade, you know, for one or two potential issues like that that is probably not cost effective and probably not a good usage of money and again i i get that it's been made to be a you know a deal and perception sometimes becomes reality but i think moving forward i just don't i don't see it being the story that um you know people make it out to be long term i, I don't think it's going to be a, a significant storyline with snapdragon stadium long term i could be wrong but that's just my my two cents Another sun sale talk. I have no idea. I, I don't know. Do you think we can? Have, this is a great question, Victor. Do you think we can't have end zone graphics paint like the last week because of soccer? I don't know the answer to that. I know soccer has played with painted fields previously, including the wave. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought the painted end zones for the Fresno State game were awesome. Like that style of painted end zone with the Aztec calendar print in the background. That was awesome. I don't know if that is impacted by NWSL or Major League Soccer moving forward. But that's that's a really good question, something for J.D. Wicker. And he typically joins us on the radio maybe once a month or so. Yeah, I, I agree with this. It's like if, you, if you're going to invest in canopies, there's probably a better usage of the money. I completely agree with that. I really do. Yeah, it's like, I mean, we'd have to look. It would be easy to do. If you let's just go from like 2010 to today, home games at San Diego State, how many start at 5 p.m. or later? I think Tom's right. I think it's 85% plus. I think it would have been 90% plus heading into like the last three years. There have been a tick more day games, I would say, over the last two seasons for San Diego State. But if you looked at the last 15 seasons, I think you're at 85% of home games starting at 5 p.m. or later. And it could be higher than that. It really could. It could be higher than that. 
Brian says he's disappointed that Fresno State isn't on the schedule. Cultivating rivalries is important in college football and not playing annually hurts that. Excited Washington State and Oregon State to come to San Diego again, though. Yeah, I think that if you're going to have a trade-off, this is the year where it actually works out. It would be disappointing not to have Fresno State on the schedule, but then again, you wouldn't even be playing them at home because you just got them at home. So in all likelihood, you'd be on the road. But I think it's even if you had them at home, the trade-off of no Fresno State for Washington State, Oregon State, I think is a pretty good trade-off. It's pretty unique, again, to get two quote-unquote power programs at home in the same year. And programs that have had recent success, Oregon State specifically, Washington State up and down last year. It was not the year they expected to have, but it's not like they're bottom of the barrel coming off a 1-11 year. Washington State's had a level of success. Oregon State's had a lot of success. Again, you've had a coaching change at Oregon State. You have quarterback changes at both Washington State and Oregon State. Um, and hopefully the Aztecs will find a way to you know, not just be competitive, but find a way to pick off one of those teams, if not both of those teams, in 2024. Let's see. No, when the MLS San Diego starts, will you have a channel now? I don't know anything about soccer. I, I talk about it. I'm interested in things like um, marks and crests and names and you know maybe big name signings or what it means for San Diego sports. And I, I'll be a fan. Make no mistake. I, I'm interested in it. Um, I'm excited about it. I just don't know anything about soccer. Like literally, I don't know anything. I like the World Cup. Um, so, you know, I, I like big events. I really do. And I mean, I completely understand the sport, but I don't get the intricacies of the sport. Like, you know, baseball so intricate. I love baseball. I've grown up on baseball. I get every intricacy of the sport. I don't get any of the intricacies of soccer. I just don't. Eric, what's going on, man? Good to have Eric Lanier here. Told you about him earlier. Wrap-up show is presented by Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial. If you have any financial needs, if you need help, a financial planner, get in contact with Eric. He'll set up a free 15-minute call with you. Click the link in the description down below. Tell him you were watching the wrap-up show. He'll talk to you about the Aztecs. He'll talk to you about San Diego sports. It's a great way to support a local business here in Southern California and support the channel. So if you have any financial needs, I mean anything, because a lot of people do, seriously, like if you just want to get your ducks in a row, set up a 15-minute call with Eric and talk about the wrap-up show, talk about the Aztecs, uh, talk football, talk basketball, whatever it is. Click that link in the description down below. The wrap-up show, again, presented by Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial. Great, great supporter of my work, of the channel, um, supporter of San Diego sports content. He's been with us on the wrap-up show on the Padres side, with us now here on the Aztec side as well. So, Eric, thank you for hanging out. Seriously, it means a lot. Thank you for your support of the channel. It means a ton. really does. So, guys, if you support the channel – Please support our partners like Eric Lanier, the title sponsor, again, presented by Higher Impact Financial. I uh, appreciate you, Eric. I do. All right, guys, this has been fun. Um, talked about a variety of topics, whether it was A.J. Duffy, Florida State, transfer, former four-star, landing at San Diego State. How about the double pulled off by Sean Lewis? Back-to-back -back days, Danny O'Neill, A.J. Duffy. What's next? Official visits underway this weekend on the Mesa National Signing Day, early signing day is coming in six days. Transfer portal is open. We're going to get news in the hours and days ahead as that coaching staff gets filled out. The schedule nearly finalized for 2024. The portal open. Um, this recruiting class is being signed as we speak in the days ahead as well. And Sean Lewis and his staff um, have really made a remarkable impact in, in a, such a short period of time here, just 14 or 15 days um, I think this has been publicized, Don. 
if you you know google don if you google i think mark ziegler wrote on this if you google san diego state mls snapdragon stadium just find the google terms you'll mark wrote on this um in terms of how much san diego state is going to get from the new mls team that's been publicized i'm pretty sure that's public that information and it's it's a good amount of revenue it is um and i think it's detailed in the ut when that announcement became official so i think you can find that online um because that has been publicized A couple more. I love scheduling, so real quick, I wanted to touch on this. He says, uh, we have a deal with Oklahoma starting in 2027. Do you think we'll do something similar with other big-name schools? We used to play Miami in the 90s. I think San Diego State has scheduled incredibly well non-conference in recent years. I really do, with the home-and-home with Pac-12 opponents playing schools like UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, Washington State, Oregon State, Missouri is on future schedules, Oklahoma is on future schedules. I would say this too. Utah obviously has been on previous schedules. They just got them in Carson a couple years ago and, and beat them, obviously, when they won 12 games. I would say this. Keep your eye on local regional schools wanting to play more non-conference games in the region because now that you have programs that are in the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, all the additional travel, you wouldn't think a program like UCLA wants to incur additional travel moving forward. Maybe they want to play more games against a program like San Diego State in football and men's basketball, not just UCLA, but you get my point. I think the programs that have left the Pac-12, which is essentially everyone, have incurred a lot more travel across all sports. So could that be impactful for San Diego State? I've asked J.D. Wicker about that, and he he thought the same thing, that that's definitely a possibility. But I mean, to be a group of five program that's getting you know the Missouris and the Oklahomas and the UCLA's in your home stadium, you're not you're not uh, playing one-off games, right? These are not guarantees. Now, the Oklahoma's a two-for-one, which is somewhat unique to San Diego State in the last like 15, 20 years because they've played so many home-and-homes. But the opportunity to get Oklahoma at home is too good to pass up, in my opinion. I mean, how cool is that? Oklahoma, currently in the SEC, coming to Snapdragon Stadium later this decade. And Aztecs going to Norman a couple of times. I think that's a pretty unique opportunity. And I think a lot of people agree with that. But I, I really give... J.D. Wicker, the administration, a ton of credit for the way they've scheduled because I think it's I think it's good. You know, I, I like the challenging schedule. I like what they've done in the non-conference. I like the fact that they get power programs, power programs to come to San Diego as well. I think it's good for uh, it's, it's good all around. I really think that I think that. Um, I don't think it's doing them a favor. I think it's actually I think it's actually you got to think about what's best for you. Right. Like it's kind of like when you play BYU. You could argue that in playing BYU, well, doesn't BYU need the opponents when they were an independent? Yeah, but BYU creates revenue. Like, look at the BYU series in basketball and the excitement that it brings in both Viejas and in Provo at the Marriott Center. Look at the football games, the interest in those games because of the rivalry. So, I mean, you got a chance. I mean, SC is not coming to San Diego because it's just they don't do that. It was like Oregon isn't going to play games. You're not going to get a home-and-home with SC. You're not going to get a home-and-home with oregon but ucla has played home and homes with san diego state and if that creates revenue and opportunities for san diego state then that then so be it if it's if it's a win for ucla as well great but if you're creating revenue and opportunities and excitement around your program by playing those programs i'm not concerned about what has happened and transpired around conference realignment and everything that's played out over the last year there's so many different tentacles to that story that you know you can't just be like we're not going to play UCLA because they left for the Big Ten. Like, There's just so many particulars that go into that, and I don't think you can 
overly worry about that moving forward. You got to do what's best for your university and your athletic program. And if you got a chance to play UCLA more often at home, I think you you take advantage of that. If you have a chance to play Stanford more often at home, I think you take advantage of that. Um, that that's the way I I look at it. Victor says, can you explain the two for one? Is that the SEC basically saying this is the only way we'll play a group of five team? You know, we'd have to look, guys. Oklahoma will play road non-conference games traditionally, especially in-state. Um, they'll play Tulsa occasionally on the road. Um, we'd have to look at previous Oklahoma schedules, but it's not atypical for Oklahoma to play a road non-conference game. I think most of them have been in-state in the last decade or a neutral site, potentially somewhere like in the plains, right? Like in the South, wherever Oklahoma is. <laughs> I've been to Norman once um, for a basketball game when I was out East. But um, the way a two-for-one technically works, and don't fully quote me on this, but I believe this is accurate. It's basically a home-and-home and, home and a guarantee. So what that means is there's no money really traded for the game in San Diego and the game in Norman. The first two games, Oklahoma agrees to go to San Diego San Diego State agrees to go to Norman. The third game is essentially a quote-unquote buy game, I think technically. Now, I'm not exactly sure how this contract works. I haven't seen it. I haven't asked fully in detail if J.D. Wicker exactly how this works. But that additional game becomes revenue, I believe, for San Diego State. Again, don't quote me on it. But, for example, if the going rate for a buy game right now, and I'm completely making it up, is $1.3 million. So the first two games, there's no money exchanged, essentially. Oklahoma travels, San Diego State travels. That third game, there is revenue associated with it, that guarantee for the school that's traveling, the, the buy game, the guarantee. San Diego State buys games, right? They buy um, group of five opponents. They buy FCS opponents to get home games. And power five opponents obviously buy games as well. Um, some do with more regularity than others. But again, I think if you're going to play a two-for-one and – and you're talking about like top 10 caliber all-time programs, it's hard to turn that down. Top 10. Now, again, are you playing a two-for-one against UCLA? Maybe not. But are you playing a two-for-one against Texas, Oklahoma, Michigan? Because you're getting, then you're getting Michigan in your building. You're getting Texas in your building. Like that's, that's hard to turn down. Like there's not a lot of group of five programs, Victor, to your point, that are getting Oklahoma in their building. Maybe that's like, again, a Tulsa can do it because they're in the state. And I know Oklahoma has done that previously. Um, the reason being that they don't think that they need to do it, that they're overly concerned with um, putting together their schedule, you know, which is their, you know, has worked out beautifully historically for SC in Oregon. They don't take the, on the risk quote unquote of playing non-conference road games, especially SC. They play every other year at Notre Dame um, so they're not going to take on the the additional risk. They'd rather buy games. So SC and Oregon have the budget to buy games. So Oregon, traditionally in the Pac-12, if they play nine conference games and three out-of-conference games, those three out-of-conference games are strategically put together. They might have home-and-home home with Ohio State. The other two, they're buying. They're never going to go to a group of five team on the road. Oregon hasn't done it in forever. SC is the exact same way. SC just will not play a group of five road game. Who knows the last time they played a group of five road game. They'll buy games. They'll, they'll get San Jose State at home. They'll get Nevada at home. Uh, I'm sure they'd love to buy San Diego State, but San Diego State doesn't operate that way. San Diego State has been able to get home and homes 
with with really good programs, and that's the way they operate, and it's been successful. These programs, by the way, want to come to San Diego and recruit Southern California, so they don't need they don't need to um, settle in that regard, and it's worked out really well. Again, can you play every program in the country? No, you're not going to get a home and home with Penn State, um, but you can get home and homes with BYU and Stanford and UCLA and Arizona and Arizona State and Washington State and Oregon State. So I think it's it's worked out. Yeah, Missouri's not a two for one. Missouri, and I, I want to say, what's future schedules look like on Missouri? Are there four games or six? I think there's at least four games in future schedules between San Diego State and Missouri, and they're even. So there's no bye. It's two games in San Diego, two games in uh, in Missouri. I love scheduling talk. I could talk scheduling all day, to be honest. Yeah, I think Washington's the same way. Thank you, Brian. Only Pac-12 schools that refuse to do a home-and-home. Home. That's why... They're the only Pac-12 teams we haven't played the past decade plus. That's exactly right. There was a chance San Diego State was going to play Washington during the pandemic year, but they ended up playing Colorado that year. So that would have been a complete one-off because of the pandemic on very short notice. Um, but Brian has it right. That's exactly right. Yeah, you know, BYU, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, they played recently, right? There was the game in Provo the pandemic year and the year before San Diego State BYU at Qualcomm. I think I have that right. Beat them late. I remember I was at that game. So, you know, it's been a, obviously a very good series. Yeah, I think Navy's really interesting. I, I think it's a really good point. Navy loves playing in San Diego in football and men's basketball, you know, poinsettia bowls and non-conference games and, they just played UCSD, I think, in basketball. We know about Navy's history, obviously, in the city of San Diego. So, yeah. Now, the, the issue with playing Navy in a home and home is you got to go to Annapolis. And that's not exactly a, you know, a skip and a jump. It's it's far. Last game against SC was 92. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, all right, guys. Got to go. I need rest. It's been a long week. Um, appreciate you hanging out. Please subscribe. Year-round content for Aztec fans. If you are here live or on replay, the one thing I ask of you is please let people know about this channel. It's essentially brand new, only been around for three or four or five months. Um, the more people that interact with it, the more people that subscribe, the more content I'll be providing. So please, if you are here live or on replay, subscribe, smash the like button for me, and uh, follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. That is J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Um, appreciate you guys. Victor, thank you. Um, everyone that's hung out here tonight, live around replay, really do appreciate it. Much more for you coming up in the days and weeks ahead. My name is John Schaefer. This has been the wrap up show presented by my friend Eric Lanier at Higher Impact Financial. Have a good one, guys.